This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Here it comes from the Bridge Church in Maryville, Missouri. It's The Price is Right. Here on The Price is Right, we know that everything costs something, and it's up to us to determine if the risk is worth the reward. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul, remembering the words of Jesus, said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. You are today's contestant on The Price is Right. I've had trouble getting you excited about this all week. Come on now. The Price is Right. <laughs> You're the next contestant. You didn't even know it. Hey, we're finishing the series today entitled The Price is Right, and we're really, what we're talking about is giving, whether that's serving or giving out of your pocket, whatever that is for you, whatever that looks like, hopefully it's both, because that's what God called us to do. And when you do that, I will be the first to tell you, I'm not gonna lie to you today, when you give to God, it's going to cost you something. It's gonna cost you time. It's gonna cost you effort. It's gonna cost you a little hobby time, maybe. It's gonna cost you something out of your pocket, maybe. But you will find the risk is worth the reward. That's one of the things they asked on that intro video. Is it worth it? And you're gonna find that with God, it is worth it. The price is right. We don't give because we're gonna get back. We give because we're called to give, right? Oh, wow. I've failed you. I've failed you as a pastor. We are called to give, amen? Amen, Amen. there it is. That's what God called us to do. He he encouraged that, he actually challenges us to do so, and we're gonna talk more about that today. But as we look back two weeks ago, we talked about the idea of serving, and we asked the question, is your heart in the game? If you're serving someone, and you're on the side or behind the scenes going, I don't know why I'm doing this, Or if you're like, oh, I don't know if they even deserve this. I don't know what I got myself into. Maybe there's something wrong with your heart in how you're serving. Maybe you need to look at that and go, why am I asking those questions? Why am I feeling that way? And then last week we talked about giving, tithing, and what that really means. And this is not a financial issue. It is a spiritual issue. So today I wanna close this out by talking about the results of both the results that happen because you give. So I want you to look at Acts chapter 20, verse 35 with me. Acts 20, 35, Jesus is being quoted in Acts and it says this, Jesus said, if you want to be more blessed, it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some of us have a hard time hearing this. I don't want you to just hear it from me. So why don't you hear it from your spouse or that person next to you? So look at the neighbor next to you and say it's more blessed to give than to receive. All right, look the other way. We don't wanna leave somebody out. Say it's more blessed to give than to receive. I gotta tell you, we struggle with this because today we believe we're being more blessed as we're getting or acquiring more. And we need to change that to where the reality is that we experience more of a blessing when we are generous and we are blessing others. God has blessed us so that we can do that. And you have no idea how one word of encouragement, one act of kindness or service, one gift of generosity can change someone's life. I guarantee you there are lives that are changed in this room because of those simple things. 
a kind word, an act of service, or an act of generosity. And the Apostle Paul had a very clear understanding of what the church looked like. So today, I wanna show you in three different churches that Paul started, three different books that Paul wrote in the Bible, and he's gonna talk to us about the church and the difference that it makes. He had a very good understanding of this. And so one of the first places we're gonna look is at a church that he started in Thessalonica. And it was a very strategic city off of a a big harbor. And so they traded both to the east and the west. And Thessalonica was important because Paul realized if he could help them embrace Christianity there, if they would begin to accept Christ there, it would help spread the word all over the world because of this transportation system that led out of Thessalonica. If you look in Acts chapter 17, Paul preached on three different Sabbaths in Thessalonica. Three different times he preached a sermon there and he was so successful, tons of people began to accept Jesus. And it was so successful that he began to enrage the Jews. They were not happy with him. So much so that Paul's friends had to smuggle him out of the city. They had to get him out of there before he was going to get in trouble too much. So Paul started to ask himself in this moment. He was asking the question, did what I do matter? Is it going to even stick? Would it last? Did it really matter? Did I make a difference? And maybe you felt that way. Maybe you've served in church. Maybe you've given before and you've asked the question, did what I do really matter? And if that's you, if you've ever asked that question, I wanna read some scripture out of 1 Thessalonians that I believe can speak to you today as much as Paul was speaking to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 3, seven through nine says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, Paul's talking to the church he started there. And he says, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. So because of the Thessalonian church's faith, Paul is being encouraged. He says, for now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. And then in verse nine, he says this, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you. It was because of this church that Paul was being encouraged. It was because of this church that Paul was able to have joy in the presence of the Lord. And there were other lives that were being affected by what this church was doing. Because God blesses us, we are able to bless others. And that one word of encouragement, that one act of service, That one gift of generosity can change someone's life. Now, this sounds great on paper. This sounds great as Chad's standing there telling me about it, but I wanna show you some real life change. I wanna show you some real life, uh, what we're talking about and really seeing this not just in the Bible, but today. So Philip, I'm gonna ask you, will you roll that video from camp and I just want you to see the difference you're making. Spirit come in you and 
I was praying that the Spirit would fill me with um, His presence. And after that, I just felt this overwhelming fe feeling that the um, Spirit was in me, and I just started crying. And I've never felt closer to God than I felt in that moment. And I feel like I feel a lot closer to Him now than I did before I came to camp. I felt closer to God this week because I felt the Holy Spirit's presence before, but I've never like truly felt it like I have on Tuesday night. So I've always wanted to see like a ton of people get closer to God and stuff and give themselves to the Lord. But I was praying that I could see a lot of people do it, and it's been like maybe like half a year or something. And on Tuesday night, I saw a lot of people giving themselves to the Lord. And it, I, I know it was the Lord just showing me what He could do. Throughout this week, I've kind of felt closer to God with the altar calls, just seeing how many people would like go up there. I could like tell that like they were really like feeling His presence with them. My relationship with God grew because I was able to spend time around Christians and the amazing worship team and the guest speakers. What stood out to me was a few of the services, specifically the service about forgiving others because I was able to forgive someone I never thought I would. I forgave someone that I haven't been able to forgive in a while. During the service when they told us that if we, that if we were struggling to forgive someone to like come up and they pray for us, uh, Lily also had a talk with me, and like, I was still really unsure about forgiving that person. I started to really, really think about it, and like, it's like, <clears throat> all the reasons I couldn't forgive that person were like, gone. I learned how to feel his presence, because my arms get all tingly, and I feel a joy in my heart. I learned how to forgive a lot more, and I forgive, forgave someone very, very important to me. The preacher told us to chase people, that we can't just stay put doing nothing, because there's other people out there that don't know anything about him, and we have to tell them, because we don't want our brothers and sisters in Christ to <clears throat> not go to heaven with us. Well, this week at Kids Camp, we got to see some kids turn to the Lord, and it's just so natural and so awesome. I just want to say thank you to all our leaders who came. We have the best leaders in the world. They took time from their week uh, just to pour into these kids' lives. We were told that a week of kids' camp is the equivalent to a whole year of kids' ministry. That blew my mind when I heard it, and I just thought of these other leaders who came and gave their time, and I just wanna say thank you so much. One of our leaders even came over their birthday, which was awesome, and they just came selflessly to serve this next generation and to show them what it's like to have a relationship with God and how that is the best decision we can make in our life, and we are seeing the fruit of that here camp. Thank you. You're awesome. And let's go blue. The most fun thing at camp for me it has been the pool. I've been learning about how God can forgive us even if we make the worst possible sin in the whole world. The most fun thing for camp is thinking about the zip line that we're doing today. And our cold cabin. Something I'm learning at camp is God wants me to grow and He wants me to be myself. My favorite part about camp is going to Gaga Ball and Newcomb and the Chicken Nugget Tours. Something I learned at camp is that Paul did not like Christians and then God or Jesus came down to earth and told Paul that uh, Paul is hurting God. 
most fun thing at camp has been the pool. camp was awesome so during my week I got to work with a kid who she was just asking more about Jesus and I got to see her just pray on her knees and she was so thankful she was crying and she was just asking for forgiveness for Jesus it was so beautiful to just see her know that she was forgiven and she was sought out and chosen by God and um, yeah I'm just so happy I got to be her counselor so happy I got to teach her and love her like Jesus let's go kids camp Can I say thank you? Thank you for giving. Thank you for what you do. If you serve on Wednesday nights, if you serve in Sunday mornings, do you know we're, we're having around 120 average on Wednesday night in our youth group and about 80 average on Sunday mornings? That's 200 children that are learning from, from senior on down that are learning about God because you serve and because you give. That's what we're talking about today. The difference, yes. It's because of you. It's because of you, both in serving and giving, and this is the result. We don't go to church, we are the church, and we believe that the church matters. When Jesus came, he didn't say, I will build my government and the gates of hell will not prevail against the government. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, the body of Christ. And if you're not part of this, can I say that we need you? You can be part of this. I invite you to be part of the church and a part of the body because of your faithfulness, your generosity, and your love. Or maybe it's not because of you. Maybe you're watching this going, you know, I don't really have much to do with any of this. I don't, I don't serve or I don't give. And again, can I invite you to do so? Because you will learn the joy of being a part of what God is doing, not just here at the bridge, but what he's doing for the kingdom of God. And it's for his glory that you do it. There are people in this church that need you. There are marriages that need healing. There are broken people who need welcomed into the family of God. And maybe you need to ask God this question. God, in light of what you have done, what am I to do? In light of what you're doing here at the bridge, what can I do? What part can I play? Because of you and because of your love for your church and your mission that you've called us to accomplish, God, what can I do? Can I tell you, you're here for a reason. And the moment you walk through the front doors, God made you a part of this. And it's just up to us to step up and do our part. I wanna show you a metaphor today that the apostle Paul used. We looked at the church in Thessalonica. I now you wanna show you what he said to the church at Corinth. Another church that he started, many of the Corinthians were not born of noble birth. They were slaves, they were not highly educated, and they probably felt insecure about how they could make a difference. So Paul gave them this metaphor, and he compares the church to the human body. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. You know, we've got eyes, we've got a nose, we've got a mouth, we've got an elbow, we've got a knee, we've got a pinky toe, we've got it all. And each one of those things make up our body and Paul is comparing us to the body of Christ. I wanna explain this a little differently. I've done this before. Some of you might remember this and hopefully you do because I'm gonna 
put you through a little test this morning. Feel free to speak up. I'm gonna show you an animal, and I wanna know what you would call a group of this animal. Let's start with the elephant. Let's look at the elephant. So we got an elephant. What do you call a group of elephants? That's right, a herd of elephants. How about a lion? We've got a lion here. What do you call a group of lions? Man, you guys must remember this. This is good. You guys made it good in school. How about a cheetah? What do you call a group of cheetahs? <laughs> Got a little quiet on that one. Anybody? A coalition. Coalition of cheetahs. Okay, how about a donkey? How about a group of donkeys? What do you call it? A drove or a pace? A pace of donkeys. Let's try one more. The crow. What do you call a group of crows? That's right. It's so creepy. A murder of crows. It sounds like they're coming to kill you. All right, what about this last one? What about a vulture? What's a group of vultures called? Yeah, that's what I thought. A committee. They must vote on everything before they go do something because they're called a committee of vultures. What you see is each animal on its own has a name, but when they come together as a group, they take on a whole new identity. And it's the same with the body of Christ. When we accept Christ into our heart, we become a disciple of Christ. We're a Christian. But when you place us in a group, when you gather Christians together with the same mind and the same heart, we become the body of Christ. We take on a whole new identity. We are his body. And in other words, we are his hands. We are his hands when we serve people in his name. We are his feet when we take his name outside of this building and we serve others. We are his heart when we express his love to people who are hurting and who are far away from God. You and I are an invaluable part of the body of Christ. Every part of the body matters. And it's almost as if Paul was understanding these people were not totally getting it. They were feeling a little insignificant, a little insecure that they could make any kind of difference in the body of Christ. So look at what he says in verse 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 14, he says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not on the hand or not the hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? No, no. If the whole body were an eye, can you imagine what that would be if we just walked around one eye? Like we wouldn't have ears to hear. We wouldn't have a voice to speak. Wouldn't have legs to walk. We'd just be an eyeball. Yet the ear, if you ever compare those, the ear gets, doesn't get much attention. The eyeballs are very important. They get a lot of attention. You never said when you were in love, I look gazingly into her ears. That just sounds weird, right? You never said you're the apple of my ear. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But if you think about it, the eye gets a lot of attention. No one has ever, some of us, excuse me, feel insignificant at times. We don't feel important. But actually, your part, your role, your presence here, your voice Every part of you matters to the family of God. So Paul goes on in verse 22 to say this. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest or seem like they're the least important, important are actually the most necessary. And in verse 27, he goes on to say, all of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. I need you to hear that today. 
each one of you. Again, if you've walked through this door, you are a part of the body of Christ. It's kind of like the hand. I mean, if you think about it, again, the hand, the thumb gets a lot of attention. You can thumbs up, I do it all the time. You can play thumb war. You can do things with the thumb. Index finger, you can say, you're number one. And you can point things out. You can push buttons like the elevator. The middle finger, I don't even wanna go there because you do ungodly things with that finger. The ring finger. I mean, you know if that person's married based on that finger, but this little finger right here doesn't get much attention. But did you know that 50% of your hand strength comes from this? The most insignificant part seems to be, yet it is the most important part because 50% of your hand strength comes from your pinky. Just because what you do may not be visible does not mean that you are not an important part. Courtney and Mark and David and Tristan and I, we stand up here and we present the gospel. We try to tell our, your children about the gospel. We have a part to play in this, but this church only grows because of you. I'm not trying to say that we're not significant in this, but you are the reason this church has grown and you'll be the reason it continues to grow. You ever fell asleep on your hand or on your arm, sleeping wrong, and you wake up and it's numb? I mean, it's still connected, but it's asleep. And then all of a sudden you start moving it and you get those needles in your hand and it tingles and you can't do anything with it. It's still connected, but it's paralyzed. And some of you, can I just say, as a part of the body of Christ, you're not using your gifts and you're not giving to God. That means you're asleep. You're still part of the body, but it's just paralyzed. It's just there and it's not doing its part. You're not living out your divine calling, your function, your role. And if that's you, can I just say, wake up. Start moving that body part. Do whatever you gotta do to wake up and become part of the body of Christ. Something that God wants done is not being done if you're not doing your part. Someone, can I tell you, that God wants to reach is not being reached if you're asleep. You're paralyzing a part of the body. This church is not a building we go to. It's not an institution we're part of. We are the living body of Christ and what you do matters. We don't go to church just to meet our needs. We are the church of Jesus Christ and we are here to meet the needs of other people. Can you say amen to that? Amen, amen. good, good. Your presence today matters. Have you ever thought about how you got here? How did you get here? Someone either invited you, someone led you through a VBS or through a Sunday school class, Someone prayed with you in their living room and invited you to church. I don't know how you got here, but someone brought you here. Someone connected you to God. But have you ever thought about the fact that someone brought that person? Someone brought them. See, one might touch one or reach one, but that one may reach many. Think about it. One might reach one, but that one might reach many. When Peter was encountering Christ and he came to know Christ and he was changed, you find him next preaching the gospel and 3,000 people came to know the Lord just through Peter in one sermon. Paul led Timothy and Timothy touched thousands. Because of Jonah, a whole city was changed. 
It took a whale to get him there, but once he got there, a whole city was changed. Because of an uncle named Mordecai, he led Esther, his niece, to the Lord, and a whole nation was changed because of that. One might reach one, but that one may reach many. So I've talked about Thessalonians. We've looked at Corinthians. I wanna show you Ephesians, as Paul talks to the church at Ephesus. It's Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. And Paul is still talking about the body of Christ. And he says this, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. What every joint takes, no. What every joint receives by coming, no. No, by what every joint supplies, what every joint gives according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Now, as I read those two lines to you, I wanna see, want you to see the outcome of that. So let me read those two again. From whom the whole body, that's all of us, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, there's something that happens here. Look causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When we are working together, when we are connected, every part doing its share, growth begins to happen by the edifying of love. Growth begins to happen. Let me read it to you again. This is way more beautiful. Ephesians 4.16 out of the New Living Translation. Same scripture, but I want you to hear this. He says this, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I love that. The whole body fits together. That means your part, even though it might not be a finger, might not be an eye, but it's gonna fit together perfectly in the body as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That is how we are gonna continue to grow. We are seeing the body grow as every part does its share, but there's a, there's a turnaround on that. That means that if any part of the body is not doing its share, what's happening? It's stunting the growth. It's keeping us from doing something we could be doing. The reason I wanted you to see those testimonies of camp, the reason I want you to see five people change their life through baptism today, it is because the price is right. What God is doing in this church is not normal, especially for a town this size. I say this all the time, but it's so true. To see the growth that we are seeing, to see new people coming all the time. We're having a welcome to the family today, a lunch that we're inviting 32 people to join us in being a part of this family. So let's wrap this up. What have we talked about the last three weeks? Number one, the idea of serving. Serving, Mark, 35, Mark 9, 35 through 37, it says, Jesus sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. He shall be last of all and servant of all. It's not always a natural desire to wanna help someone. Sometimes we gotta make ourselves get to that point, but when we begin to do it, we're beginning to see the joy and the difference that we're making in the hearts and lives of people. And you know what we cause us to do? We wanna do it again. We wanna just keep doing it because it makes a difference in our life because you can't outgive God. The blessing begins to pour in to us. I didn't say financially, not always. It's through many different ways. 
So the question I wanna ask you is who are you serving? Yes, you're serving Jesus Christ, but who are you serving? Yes, you're serving here at the bridge maybe, but who outside of this building are you serving? Last week, I read Malachi 3.10. I jumped ahead, let me stop, because I want you to see this. Look what Jesus said in verse 36 of Mark 9. He said, he took a child whom he placed among them, talking, or excuse me, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And then he takes it a step further. Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Man, do you hear that? Does that, does that, kind of sink in right there that when you're welcoming someone into the church, it's as if you're welcoming Jesus, but you're also welcoming the one who sent Jesus. When you're changing a diaper in the nursery and it feels like what I do doesn't really matter, can I tell you it matters? It's as if you're serving Jesus. Now we'll get to the giving, Malachi 3.10. We read it last week, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. We talked about how that's spiritual food in this house. And Jesus, excuse me, it says in this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be, not be room enough to store it. Now this is the only time in the Bible where he says, test me in this. Only time you're ever gonna find that. It's when it comes to our giving. He says, try it, just see what happens. Test me in this. And some people say, you know what? Let me get on my feet. And when I'm a little more comfortable financially, then I'll give. Let me get a little safer spot, put a little back, and then I'll be able to give and be more generous. I got news for you. The more you make, not gonna make it any easier to give. Because it's not about how much you make. It's going to take faith no matter what. And you see, if you've got next to nothing, then 10% is a lot. Tithing is a lot. But if you get more, then that 10% is still a lot. It's still the same amount of what you're bringing in. Generosity is not about how much you give. It's about trusting God with what you have. I'll say that again. Generosity is not about how much you have. It's about trusting God with what you have. And if God promises to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing in different areas of our life that you cannot even contain it, why would we wait till later to want that? Why would we wait till later to say, I really need that? I'll conclude with this. Something that was said to this church before I ever came, probably a week or two before I started here, Jim Blackford and Randy Arnold stood up here kind of delivered the vision of this church. And I'll never forget because I got to see the notes from that message. And Jim said this, Jim Blackford said, you can shift your role from being a product of the vision to being a participant in fulfilling God's vision for this church. See, some of us have been coming in as a product of what has happened here. We just get to come in and receive what God has, is doing in this church. We're a product of the vision. But you can begin to shift that role to say, you know what, I don't wanna just come in and receive, I wanna give, I wanna serve. And as I do that, I become a participant in fulfilling God's vision 
of what he wants to do in this church to continue to see it grow. Will you bow your heads with me? Because of you, people have the opportunity to meet the grace that will save them and the truth of Jesus that will set them free. So I stand here today to say thank you for those of you who are giving. Thank you for seeing that God has called you to be a part of the body of Christ. And for those of you who maybe haven't stepped into that role yet, can I encourage you? Let today be the day. If God is speaking to you about that, hear him. You are making a difference and you will not give to God and be disappointed. You will not give to God and say, man, I wish I could take that back. When you begin to give to God, you're gonna begin to see it is way more blessed to give than to receive. Father, I pray that we would begin to see our part in being part of this body. Thank you, God, for what you're already doing. Thank you that we can see the difference that you are making in this church. As We started with a handful of kids five years ago. And we see what you're doing and how many students and children come in here every single week to receive ministry and learn about you. Thank you for the adults that give in order to allow that ministry, all of those ministries to happen. God, thank you for every person who serves in this place that has become a participant in fulfilling your vision. But God, we're not finished. There are so many more people in this community, in this area that do not know you. And that is where we cannot just stop and say, look what we've done. We've got to look and say, what is next? Where can we go from here? How can I be a part? And I pray that we would share the same vision, that we would be in unity in desiring to be the body of Christ. Every member doing its share, doing its part to continue to let this place grow not for our glory, but for yours. Pray that we make this personal today, God. That we take ownership, that this is our body, that we can make a difference in this place. No matter our age, no matter our qualifications, no matter our gifts, we play a vital role in continuing to see this place grow. And God, I pray for every person to begin to see the blessing that comes with giving. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.